Awesome. Good morning. So we're going to start in prayer um, and then we'll get into today's message. Father, we thank you that you love each and every one of us, that you sent your one and only sinless son to save us. We thank you that each and every one of us can be set free this morning in you through Christ who has dealt with all our sin. And all we need to do is come before you and ask for your forgiveness and to be in connection with you again. We pray over this morning's word, we just ask you to teach us where need be to convict us and to convey everything you want to say to us today. In your precious name we ask you. Amen. Cool. So last year, just to give a quick recap, under the family service umbrella, um, we started working through different characters of the Bible, both Old and New Testament, um, to lead up to the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, uh, which gave a summary of so many amazing men and women of God, and to give a bit of an example of what they did. So I'm just going to ask the kids, first of all, if they remember any of them. Um, and then let's see if the adults can remember as well. So, do you remember any names from last year? Esther. <laughs> what, what, what was that you just said, Mercy? Esther. Leicester. Leicester. <laughs> Leicester City winning the, uh, the football premiership was a bit of a miracle. Uh, it didn't appear in the Bible, though. So, Esther. Esther. Esther, yes, that's a fantastic one. Uh, do we remember any others? Elizabeth does. I can see Elizabeth's face here. That, she's clearly got an answer. Gideon. Gideon. No. <laughs> Noah. Noah. Yeah, she got that one. <laughs> Jonah. Jonah. Jonah was another one. Jonah. Maybe that was what she was saying. Pardon? No, I said, I'm counting. Oh, okay. Gideon. Samuel said Gideon. Yes, yeah, so there was loads of them from both the Old and New Testament, along with Leicester City Football Club. <laughs> And this year we're going on a slightly different trait, a following for Matthew 1, which is a book in the New Testament, the first chapter of it. And it's Matthew, a son, uh, 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 son um, a disciple of Jesus who is writing to the Jewish community, who all really understood the Torah or the Old Testament very well. Um, so they knew what he was talking about. And it was always said in the Old Testament that there will be a king one day who comes to set everyone free from sin. Um, and he would be like the line of David, he would be, his forefather would be Abraham, etc., etc. So Matthew came and wrote right at the very beginning, off the bat, the, this is the genealogy of Jesus. Does anybody from the kids down here, do you know what the word genealogy means? Shiloh looks like she does. Say family tree. Family tree. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very big family tree. So my family tree, for example, I know about four generations of it. So it goes from my mum, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and I'm guessing I could probably keep saying great on the end of it and I'd get back quite a long way. But Matthew specifically knows each of the names to say this is the whole history. And behind each of them, is a big life and everything that they've done. So over this year, we're going to go through some of these, starting with someone beginning with A from the Old Testament. So we're going to ask the kids again, see if they can guess. I can only remember two. Isaac? 
No, not Isaac, beginning with the letter A. Ah. Have we got a guess? Oh, we've got a big child having a guess. Alicia. That's cheating though, isn't it? Yeah, it's not you. Uh, she said, Adam, it's not Adam. The other one came a little bit after Adam. <laughs> not Abel, I've forgot that one. It's a little bit later. Abraham, yes, someone give Shiloh a round of applause, well done. So we're going to talk today on Abraham. He's found in the book of Genesis, um, in the first half of Genesis, just after Noah. Um, so to give you a bit of context, he had two names. He was first called Abram, or Avram, um, in the Hebraic way, I think, um, before God gave him a new name. Uh, if it's anything like me, it's because he couldn't pronounce it. Um, <laughs> that's the holy reason. That's not it. <laughs> um, so he was born in the land of Ur in Mesopotamia. It looks like potato, um, potato but it's, that's clearly not it. And for a long time, we didn't actually know when he was born. Um, and it was only after World War I that they actually found... Um, the scholars and archaeologists found a royal temple in a place called Mari, found on the Euphrates River. Um, and they actually found loads of texts from the very old school days. And they were able to date, using those, that he was around 2000 BC, so quite a long time ago. It's very old. Um, he was married to Sarai, or who became Sarah. God also changed her name. Um, and he called them out of Ur to the land of Canaan, where God gave him his new name, Abraham. And as I was reading his story, there was one thing that I completely missed the first time. And it was his prayer life. And it's what we're talking on today. When I think of prayer, automatically, I think of, dear God, blah, 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 blah. Amen. Uh, it's very natural to think, okay, I have to start formally, regally, and then end in the same manner as well. But as I kept reading, we found that actually Abraham, or Abraham was talking to God just one-on-one in conversation. It didn't start all regally. It didn't start all as I feel it should. But actually, he was just having a conversation like God was there in front of him. So, like, if I was to have a conversation now with Catherine, how are you today? She shrugged. <laughs> She's okay. Um, if we had that conversation one-on-one, I didn't need to start with, Dear Catherine, how art thou? <laughs> now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. Of course not. If that's how you and God connect, and that's how you feel comfortable talking to him, then by all means, do what works with you. Um, so we're going to run through a few of Abraham's prayer life areas just to get some examples of actually is what Elliot's saying here true Um, the worst thing you can do when you're listening to someone talk is to just let it gloss over you or just 100% believe it without then reading the text yourself of actually is this what it's meaning Um, just to actually really focus personally when I'm listening um, I try and listen my best but I'll very easily miss things so coming back to it again and actually read listening and reading the words that go with it 
really help me to gather, actually, is this right? So we're going to um, give a few examples from it this morning. Uh, I won't necessarily read them all, because I know my voice isn't the most interesting. Um, <laughs> I get bored of mine, so it's okay. My daughter over there certainly gets bored of my voice, so <laughs> don't worry. She's like, yes, every day. <laughs> so, in Genesis 13, we're going to start there, right at the beginning off the bat. He's called out of Ur, going to Canaan. And one of the first things he does when he sets up his tent, um, they've done a long journey throughout the day. It's been hard work. What do you think? Um, actually, let's pick on Catherine. What do you think? If you've had a long day of walking, what's the first thing you do? And you've, you've just stopped, obviously. You go to bed. So you've built your tent. That's a great shout. Uh, what else would you do? Elizabeth. Light a fire. What for? Heat or food? Heat. To eat as well. Yeah, you'd eat. And then there was one more thing that he did. Shayla. Uh, he built an altar. He built an altar? He did, yes. He bu- <laughs> wow, she knows us so well. Shayla can take over today. So he built an altar. Why do you think he built the altar? To pray. To pray. To pray, perfect. So he built this altar to pray and to put a sacrifice saying, God, now that I've stopped the physical motion of what I need to do, I just want to put you first. Love you. You're incredible. I know I've done wrong. I know my family have done wrong. And I just want to say I'm sorry. And let's get back on the right foot. Um, So it's just that reconnection. And he kept doing it every single time they moved. And it was a practice the Jewish people kept carrying on. Every time we've moved, we've then set up an altar, a place where I can feel comfortable and ease to pray, um, to seek forgiveness, to realign and to see him again. I thought that was a cool concept, um, and it's one that I am now trying to follow. Not building an altar, because I'm not very good at building things, uh, but just that quiet spot where I can pray and not have that distraction around me. It then carries on in... Uh, chapter 15 the prayer he was talking to God for a prayer prayer is also just conversation of hey God this is how I'm feeling this is where I'm at God has already at this point um, said to Abraham well Abraham at this point I'm going to build a generation I'm going to build multitude of generations through you Um, you will be the forefather and his first thought in this is but I don't have a child. I don't have a son. How on earth is this going to happen? I'm in my 90s. I'm old. I've got a beard. And it's grey. Um, and he's then, he brings this straight before the Lord. And goes in verse 2 of chapter 15. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is a chap called Elitia, Eliziah of Damascus. And Abram said, I could not pronounce that. So many names. And let's actually read it from um, a version I can read. <laughs> I do apologize. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is 
Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no child, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now God then carried on and spoke to him and said, Look, I'm going to handle this for you. But um, the emotion can be lost in the words. Uh, it's very easy when you're texting someone to just text it and then misunderstand it because they can't see your face, they can't hear the tone of your voice, they don't fully understand what's being said. And it can be very easy to do that here as well, but in most um, ancient world views, having a son or an heir was the way that you passed everything on to a next generation. Um, we even had that in England as well, especially going through the kings. Um, they were all desperate for a son, King Henry VIII being um, the most prime example. And so he's calling out desperately here, God, I really want to follow what you've called me to, but there's something major missing here. I, I, this, this, I'm trying to remember there's children in front of me, so there's certain elements that you want to gloss over on that one. <laughs> Um, God, I, I need a miracle on this one. And he's just laying his heart bare. Instead of just saying the bare basics of God, will you deal with this? There's that connection, that emotion. Because God isn't emotionless. He cares for each and every one of us. And he actually has that concern over it. So I'm trying today to uh, follow an, a, a concept Pastor Alex uses all the time, of having four or five or three to five um, words following the same letter um, to try and help us remember uh, the, the crux of the message. And there's a word that actually covers that. I was thinking of the word desire at first, but it didn't then have an S at the beginning of it. But there's a word, uh, thankful to thesaurus.com, uh, <laughs> called solicitude. It's a posh one, isn't it? Um, and solicitude means the care or um, desire of your heart. It's that anxiety, that worry, that stress over the situation of, oh my gosh, I can't deal with this. And God comes along and says, I'll handle it. So there's a prayer of over our stress, over our solicitude. Stress would have been an easier one. Huh. <laughs> Ah, the, the wonder of hindsight. <laughs> so over that solicitude, we're sticking with it. Over that solicitude, God has handle of it. So don't be afraid to bring that before him. It then carries on. One of the most um, famous items that Abraham is known for is when his cousin or nephew Lot is in the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's a really horrible place. Really bad things have happened in it. And God is ready to deal with it. And Abraham comes before God in yet another conversation of prayer and says, God, this is who you are. You are forgiven and you're just God. If I find 50 people in there, will you forgive them? Okay. And this feels like my daughter, my conversation with my daughter and me quite often. Dad, can I have a sweet? Yes, okay. And Abraham comes along and goes, God, if there's 25 people in there um, who are good, will you save the city and spare them because of it? Okay. 
Dad, can I have a second suite? God, if there's ten people in there, will you set them free? Will you forgive them? Okay. Dad, can I have a third suite? <laughs> and this continues. He could have kept going down to one and said, if there's one person in there, lot, will you set them free? And it's this bargaining of, God, I know your heart. I know who you are. I've got that connection with you. I'm praying for others' salvation. God, will you, connect, will you set them free of what they've done wrong? And we, as Christians as well, should be following that prayer. God, I know this person who's a friend of mine, who they don't know you yet. Can you give me an opportunity to share your gospel with them? I'd love for them to come to know you. Praying for others' salvation. That S was a lot easier to find. (laughs) Unfortunately, for the people of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, they couldn't find enough people, so it was dealt with. Read up on that one. It's a really interesting story. Um, If you like explosions, like me, you can imagine it as uh, being retold by um, the Transformers director. I can't remember his name. Pardon? Michael Bay, yeah. Imagine it being rewritten, by, uh, not rewritten, but done by him. Um, he then goes on. He gets on another travel, and he comes across the king Abimelech, who he's had a really weird situation where he said, look, Sarai, Sarah, is my sister, not my wife, um, which... Okay, <laughs> this feels like it's on EastEnders. <laughs> um, and he's turned around, and Abimelech, not knowing that this was an untruth, it was a partial truth because there was a relation there. Um, he's taken him as his wife, and then God comes to him in a, in a dream and says, Look, this ain't right, this is too EastEndery for my liking. Um, <laughs> You need to deal with this situation and reacquaint their marriage. So Abimelech comes to uh, Abraham and handles it and says, Look, you've done wrong by me. I've not done anything wrong in this situation. You pr- pray on my behalf and set me free of this. Um, and again, he comes before God and prays for him. Praise over the situation in chapter 20, verse 17. And it says, Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they could bear children. For the Lord had closed all the wounds at that point. It was a prayer of healing. God, will you handle this situation? You're bigger than it. You're better than it. It's been set because of me and I've been foolish here, but God, will you handle this? Will you soothe their ailments? Hey, another S. Do we remember the S's so far that have happened? Say salvation. 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 What was the one that just happened? Soothe. 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 And mercy, do you remember what the first one was? The really smart word for stress. 
Solicitude. Solicitude, perfect. So we've got those three. It kept going. And towards the end of his life. Oh, I did have stress. It comes in now. So in chapter 21, Hagar, his original concubine. That's a weird word. So it means someone other than your wife. Uh, in the old times, it was very different to now. Uh, <laughs> that's the way we're going to put it for the kids. Adults, you know different. <laughs> if you don't know what it means, ask someone else other than me later. <laughs> Children, don't ask your parents. You'll find out later in life. <laughs> but someone other than your wife. <laughs> so, Hagar <laughs> has a child called Ishmael. And he's, she's, they've been driven away. And in chapter 21, there is then one more prayer. And Abraham is dealing with this situation where Sarah, his wife, really is not happy with Hagar being around. Um, husbands, if you've ever done something wrong and your wife is angry with you, this is a great prayer. I have to pray this. <laughs> Love you, darling. Um, and all he does is he comes before the Lord and says, God, I don't know how to handle this. Will you help me? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and it is a prayer in his stress. He is completely unaware of how to deal with this, full of anxiety, full of stress, full of, oh, I don't know what to do, full of solicitude. Oh, it's come up twice. Um, and he comes before God without any of the I, I'm going to act all holy and with piety and with pompous, but God, I really need your help on this one. And God handles it. If your wife wants to be, send her away, send her. It's okay. I'll look after her. I'll care for her. Alex spoke either last week or the week before uh, from the book of Corinthians. And he was saying that if someone's done wrong in the church, uh, go and talk to them, help them. Um, and if it's not been handled and there's still an issue, take someone with you. And if that doesn't work, take, some, someone, um, take one of the elders with you. And if even after them, you can't work out this issue, then you need to send them out. Um, and it's not because... You hate them. It's not because they're annoying. It's because you love them and actually they need to go and have time with God to handle the situation. So God split those two in separate directions, Hagar and Sarah, so that both could find healing. God would handle both situations. So there's that prayer in times of stress. It's very easy for us, and I find this especially, it's very easy when I'm stressed or angry or worried, I hide in my own little bubble to handle it, instead of going to God. See, I can do some things in my strength, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There was one final prayer on his deathbed. Last conversations with God before he sees him again. But I know that I'm running out of time, so I can't go into every single one. The whole concept for us as teachers 
is not to give absolutely every single answer, but simply to be a signpost to Jesus, a signpost to him who sets us free. Um, So I really want to encourage you this week for two things. Firstly, to go and read those scriptures, because there's so much more in it, in that little section. It's only like eight chapters long. You can do it in a day. Um, And there's so much excitement to it, and so many things that go all over the place. Um, And secondly, is to look at why Abraham was praying. It wasn't just to say, okay, I've now dealt with it. I've done, I've done my 10 minute of Bible reading for the day. I've done my 10 minutes of praying for the day and move on. But actually, it's to seek God's wisdom, to seek God's help and his guidance through everything. See, Abraham, at the beginning of every day and at the end of every day with that altar that he made, he made prayer flow through it. It was laden throughout his life, weaved into it. Prayer was the bedrock of his faith, which everything else was built upon. Every situation, every movement that occurred, it was all laden with prayer. I just want to encourage us as a church this week, and this month, and this year, as we keep going forward. Prayer is that bedrock. There's no point in us being here uh, sharing the gospel. There's no point us having a Friday evening youth group. There's no point doing Alpha. There's no point doing anything within the life of the church if it's not got God at the center of it. And our easiest way to connect with God and to ask for him to guide us is that conversation. Just like Abraham, it doesn't need to be... uh, all time away and spent in overly long words but simply God what do you think about this God what's your idea on this as I'm in school with my friends and someone's getting bullied or someone's been hurt God will you help me be kind to them and to care for them as my parents are telling me to do something that I don't want to do, or no, that's enough sweets, Victoria. <laughs> God, will you help me to listen and obey? I'm sure they've got good reason for it, even though those Haribos are lovely and yummy. <laughs> and God, what do you want to do today? What's your direction? As we make that our bedrock it's so much easier to look through the stressful situations Abraham didn't have the easiest of lives because we pray it doesn't mean that life's going to be easy but what it does mean is it's a lot easier for us to see it through God's eyes his direction and his plan I'm going to close in prayer and then we're going to go into a time of worship um Father, we thank you that you have not closed yourself off to us, but that each and every one of us can come to know you and can have conversations with you as our dad, as our Abba. And we pray this morning and just ask you to help us. The words don't come easy, 
It feels a little weird talking to someone without them being physically in front of us or on the phone to them. But God, help us to connect with you. Where I struggle to find words, will you speak for me and to show me your path? We love you and we thank you for this day, Lord. Amen.